Hello, welcome to the Speaking for Him podcast. My name is Andrew Gamison, and it is my privilege to be your host for this dose of encouragement on the journey that we call the Christian life. I'm super excited that today I get to share with you an interview with my new friend, Christine Hall. She's an amazing young lady who has a lot of different passions, which will come through very clearly in this interview. She has a passion, most importantly, for the Lord Jesus Christ, and she has a passion for using her skills to convey important truths and messages of hope through her new theater group, Alive which is a sister theater of Master Arts Theater. She also encourages people through events like Night to Shine as she cosplays as a princess for a couple different agencies. I really have enjoyed getting to know Christine in the short time we've known each other, and I think that you will enjoy her story as well. As we talk throughout this interview, you will notice that we discuss many ups and downs of her life. But through it all, I hope you will see that God is in control and that he has given her hope and that he can give you hope as well. Before we jump into the interview, I just wanted to share with you our quote of the day. Our quote of the day comes from 1 John 4, 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and every one that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. And that's First John 4, 7, and 8. So, what does this verse teach us? It teaches us that we are to love one another, because that is a chief characteristic of God. And so, as a follower of God... We are to emulate the one who called us out of darkness into his glorious light. And I love the way this passage unfolds love. It says, everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. So the essence of true love is to know God, because God is is love. That is the best way to personify him in a single word. Now, it's also important for us to understand what true love is because we use love a lot in our culture. I may say I love cheeseburgers or I love the Detroit Lions, but I also say that I love my family, that I love my neighbors, and that I'm called to love my enemies. So we need to understand that love, in its true essence, is found on the cross of Calvary. The perfect Son of God loved me and gave himself for me so that I could have victory over sin, death, and the grave. A lot of people say they love other people, but when the going gets rough, they walk away. When they're not getting what they want, they walk away. But that is not the love that we are talking about from 1 John chapter 4. The love that we are talking about from 1 John chapter 4 is the love that says love your enemies and do good to those that curse you. We are to pray for those who spitefully use us. 
Again, we follow the example of the Son of God while he was on the cross who said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And I am so grateful for the love of God because without it, I would not be able to live my life day by day and to be able to fulfill the calling that he has on my life. He gave me a purpose where there was none and he can do the same for you. So now I'm excited without further ado to share with you my interview with Christine Hall, the founder of Alive Theater. Well, it's my privilege today to have a new friend on the podcast, Christine Hall. And uh, we are going to talk about a lot of different things, uh, but I'm really excited to talk to her about her testimony and her walk with the Lord, as well as her forays into community theater. This is something that both she and I really enjoy, and so I'm excited to hear about her perspective, especially as she recently started a theater group um, in her hometown of Lansing. So first of all, welcome to the show, Christine. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. Well, I like to give people the opportunity to tell their stories on my podcast. I really think that all of us are on an interesting individual journey to us, but we can also encourage others with our journey. So I wonder if you might start out by just telling us a little bit about your childhood and growing up years. Yeah, definitely. So I grew up in a little town of Perry, Michigan, um, and I grew up in a Christian home. So my parents were faithful or are faithful believers, and I have uh, two older brothers and a younger sister. And um, yeah, I actually was homeschooled my whole life. About high school, I went to like Teen Works, which is still considered homeschool, but I would go once a week and get tutored by other um, teachers and took a lot of classes and met a lot of friends um, that way as well. And let's see, what else about my childhood? I think that's the basics. Um, spent a lot of time, since I was homeschooled, we did a lot of different travels and, you know, explored, you know, different states. And that was really cool. Did a lot of um, amusement parks. Yeah, we were a homeschool family uh, in my family as well. I'm the oldest of 12 children, and wow. I have a little bit of public school experience from kindergarten and first grade, but once uh, they wanted to hold me back in first grade, my parents said, we can do better, and they homeschooled me, and I never lost a grade after that, and this was before homeschooling was even officially legal in the state of Michigan, so it's always been a big deal to my parents to homeschool us and launch us um, on our journey in life. And, you know, as, as the Proverbs say, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, you won't depart from it. And so I'm very thankful to my parents for laying that foundation. Yeah. My mom was actually, she told me about those days where they would have to fight for homeschooling rights. And she said she was one of those people like kind of like picketing or whatever, like trying to get, get the 
you know, lawmakers to change things. Cause yeah, she, my brothers are actually 14 and 10 years older than me. So it was definitely like that for them. It was hard to homeschool earlier on. But I'm so grateful that my parents did that because I probably would have been um, a product of a broken system rather than an overcomer. So I'm very thankful. Yes. Amen. But a big part of the stories that we share here on the Speaking for Him podcast are about the journeys that we have with Jesus, because we know that uh, Jesus is the difference maker in life. Um, and so I want to hear your story about how you came to know Jesus personally, because it's one thing to grow up in a Christian home. It's another thing to make the decision to embark on a personal journey with Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. So I, um, you could say I, I got baptized actually as a really young kid. I was six years old. So I had the whole prayer with my dad at night and prayed for, you know, God to come into my heart. And soon after that I got baptized, but then, you know, as you get older and you, you go through things, um, I think I was about 15 years old when I would say I really started to develop more of that serious personal relationship, even though, I mean, I always really believed and always pursued God, but it was, I call, I kind of think this is a significant point in my, my walk with God. When I was 15, I went up in front of church and they actually were like calling people up to like come stand up and rededicate their life to Christ, you know, and to really, you know, put that out there in front of the whole church. And so that we can come together and pray for that, for that, for those people that stood up. And I was one of those people. I remember standing up and rededicating and having people pray over me. And my dad was really excited. He bought me a new Bible at that time. And um, so that was kind of a, a significant point. And cause I, it's hard to know, like all of when people have like the certain moment they got saved or whatever, but for me, it's been always in my life and always in my family. And so but there are certain moments and that's a moment where I feel like I was like, yes, like I'm, I'm serious about this, dedicate my life to God on to serve him. And then soon after that, I actually started to, um, I joined a group called Bible actors and we would meet on Sundays and do Bible studies. And it was the most like fruitful time. I remember like really learning the Bible, like that one-on-one, like they were actually an acting um, group too that actually would go around to perform and but we were like really a community like a church because we would get together and you know really just study the word for what it said and study the scriptures and talk about it and what it meant and I just remember that time in my life being like so like wow I learned so much about God and just what he meant to me so there was that moment um and I could keep going through different um things in my life that you know moments of clarity moments of heartbreak and then God pulling me back to him and all that. But that would be my testimony. (laughs) I can definitely relate to that. I came to know the Lord as a young boy uh, because I I grew up in a Christian home as you did. Um, But then for the first nine years that I was saved, I struggled with my identity, particularly because I'm physically disabled and in a wheelchair and I said, hey, God, um, I know that you procured my eternal salvation and I know heaven awaits, but my temporary assignment here on earth kind of stinks. 
if you would heal me, then I could serve you. And I had to go through this nine year process of realizing that God doesn't have to change me on the outside to use me. He just needs to have me fully surrendered and then he can do things over and above what I could ever ask or imagine, which he has done um, through my podcast and through theater, as we will talk about and other avenues, but it's definitely a journey with a lot of highs and lows. So um, Mm -hmm. I can relate and I'm encouraged to know that I'm not alone. So you mentioned this group, um, Bible actors. Um, So can you kind of elaborate a little bit more about how you decided that you wanted to get involved with theater? Yes. So I have always been a bit of a dramatic person. I would say I, my mom, my mom loved to sing. And so we would, we would do a lot of singing in church and stuff growing up. And I would just be so, I don't know, just interactive with like, I remember pretending I was in so many different things like Prince of Egypt came out and I was like singing the songs in my basement running around and, um, you know, just, just always kind of was that person that loved to like perform. And then when I turned 13, I kind of had this like crisis of like, Oh, I'm getting old and I need to figure out what I want to do with my life. I'm 13 years old. I'm a teenager. So I was like, you know what? I really, I want to act like I want to be an actress and so I need to look into this. My parents were always very supportive. So they were like, okay, like, let's get you like into theater. Like there's local auditions. You could audition for things. So I did that. I had my first audition at 13 for a local theater here in Lansing. Um, it was a, it was a play, the play Heidi story of Heidi. Um, and I really enjoyed that experience of auditioning. I didn't get the part. Um, but I could tell they liked me and actually kept me after the auditions to try to get me to project more. And, um, I was just so timid then, like I didn't have that projecting voice. And so, but I didn't get the part, but it it fueled me to keep going. And I was like, I know I like this. I know, I know I have it in me. So I told my mom, we need to learn more. And we found a theater camp out in Howell. And so I went and signed up and just, so like no one around me or anybody I knew was doing this, but I pursued theater like just because I knew I wanted to act and so I yeah I made new friends and went to theater camp and then I auditioned for that that fall show for that community theater and so I started actually in community theater like in a kind of a secular you could say environment um and because I was homeschooled that was probably my first environment really dealing with non-christians in a regular like daily basis you know because they're I always had like Christians in my co-ops or Christians in my church, of course, but like it was a, it was a kind of a, a whole new experience. Right. Um, but it was cool. I loved, I loved the community theater involvement. And then after that, I was about 16 when HPA, so homeschool performing arts, um, came to Lansing. I was actually 15 when I auditioned. So I was 15 auditioned for their first show that came to Lansing, which was sound of music. And I got cast as Liesl von Trepp. So I was actually 16 at the time when I played Liesl and she's 16 going on 17, as you know. Um, so that was really fun. And that same year, I also joined Bible actors because they were doing a Christmas carol. 
And I was like, oh, and I I just like heard about these Christian actors. I'm like, sweet. Like, of course, I'm going to go audition for this Christmas Carol. And I got cast um, two roles. Actually, I was I was Belle. And then I played Martha Cratchit. And I'm sure you're, you know the story, so you're familiar with those characters. Um, Belle was the fiance, Martha Cratchit was in the Cratchit family. She's one of the, the daughters. Um, so it was just a really fun year because I, the two things that I really wanted when I auditioned, like when, when I, like for those two shows, I got the part. So the first time that I auditioned for a show and I got the parts I wanted and very exciting at 15 years old. Um, but then I continued on, of course, from then I just, you know, I auditioned for, the rest of the HPA shows that I could be part of until I graduated high school and same thing, Bible actors. I was involved for quite a while. Um, a lot of them kind of shifted after a few years. We did a lot of different things. Like we did um, some touring of different shows that like the director, Daniel Hancock would write different shows. And um, we did uh, the other wise men. So that was about the fourth wise men story of Artaban all that. So a lot of cool things with that group. And, um, and then after high school, it kind of was like this feeling of, Oh my goodness, what do I do? I've had these amazing experiences in these Christian environments with actors performing. And that's kind of where there isn't anything. There really wasn't any place, at least at that time in my knowledge, I didn't really know about master arts. Plus it's in Grand Rapids. I live in Lansing. So I was like, well, I think God wants me to act, so I'm going to pursue it. And so I pursued it full on into um, like a career focus, which really led me to like, I tried to get into like film and like commercial work. And so I did that for a couple of years, but it was really rough. The industry is so competitive and it wasn't very fun at all. Um, and quickly realized that that wasn't really for me and what God wanted me to do. Um, but community theater, I kind of, always kept doing throughout the years in a lot of different theaters around here. Some of them I traveled for to be in and, and whatnot, but, um, but yeah, that kind of gives you the introductory of how I got into theater. I definitely have had dreams of doing films or, or television. I always had different people that I would have loved to do acting projects with. And I guess there's still something in the back of my mind that would enjoy that. But, Community theater uh, is so special because it's not uh, designed to be high pressure. Yes, you have an audition process and sometimes you don't make it. But overall, uh, you don't do it for the stress of the thing. You do it for the fun of the thing. And it's funny that, that both the shows that you mentioned, The Sound of Music and A Christmas Carol, are both shows that mean a whole lot to me and that I've been able to be involved in. So... I, I totally understand uh, the excitement there and being able to see a show like that uh, come together. I uh, have been involved in theater since I was like 12 years old. I think I went 12 or 13. Um, oh, well, I think it was 13 that I did the civic theater acting camp. I did that for 13 and 14 and then I had a sizable gap, and then we discovered Master Arts, um, which was actually around for several years before we discovered it, even though we lived in the West Michigan area. Um, I once saw that a reporter had said that Master Arts was one of the best-kept secrets in West Michigan, and I totally understood that because 
when we started being involved there, I was like, how did we take so long to find this place? It's really great. And now it's been 20 years and I really enjoy it. And I'm so glad it's a part of my life. So you talked about growing up in Lansing and you got involved with HPA when it came to Lansing. I don't know how many different cities they're in now, but they've expanded quite a bit over the years themselves. But what led you to start a community theater group, which just launched with its first show uh, last month or yes. earlier this month? Yeah, it launched the very, so our first show um, that we performed with the new theater um, was The Shining Lives. It was a play, a historical drama, and it launched uh, the 26th, January 26th is opening night. So yeah, not long ago at all. It was, we did two weekends. So it just closed uh very beginning of this month. But yeah, so um I wasn't ever in my plans really to start a theater company or lead that. I, it's still kind of a whirlwind. It's still crazy that I feel like I'm in this position and that um it really is a God thing because yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't really in my plans. Um, but I will say a couple years ago, there was something stirring back inside me, um, where I, I actually felt so after COVID happened, when everything got shut down, there was like that break where a lot of artists obviously couldn't perform, couldn't do the thing they love and kind of, you know, travel. There's so many things I couldn't, we couldn't do that I love to do. And, and I think that that was, a time when God really drew me to himself more and I could focus on him and, and his truth and just, yeah, it was just a good time for me to like really lean into my relationship with God more because there wasn't a lot of distractions, you know, going on. Well, then I got back into theater in 2022 and did a community, like I did a community theater show, Beauty and the Beast. And, um, and then I did some other random things with friends in like a living room. So it wasn't anything official. We were just kind of doing it for the love of it, just performing some shows, um, reading and making, you know, we would do our own costumes and props because we're extra like that. But like, it was just for fun. Like we would just perform things, work on our craft of acting and singing. And, and it was like, I realized there's so much, so many people I know that are Christians that don't have a place to perform really that, that we're literally performing in the living room because we don't have a theater. That's, we don't have a lot of theaters that are actively like doing it, doing different things for us to be involved in, or they are, but they aren't like schedules don't work or something. So, you know, um, in 2022, we started to kind of, I, I just, I started getting this theater group back together. It felt like, you know, like people I knew, like reconnecting with a lot of people I performed with back in the day. And, I remember feeling torn in my heart because I didn't want to be sucked because I thought theater was like basically over for me at a point when theater, like when it was all shutting down and it became so dark and like secular. And I'm sure you know what I'm talking about, which is, I was like, I don't know if I could get back into theater with how everything's going right now. And I want to just focus on God and felt like I wasn't sure if I should pursue it again or not. And um, I remember praying, it was during church, it was during a worship uh, service that I was praying about it to God. And I really strongly felt like this overwhelming feeling of him, like speaking to me, of just saying, Christine, I made you for this. Like I created you 
to perform and to like, this is your gift. And this is why you want it so much. This is why you can't give it up. This is why you're desiring to keep doing it. And you always want to do it and always want to be involved in theater and performing. Um, it's what I created you for. And it was almost like this feeling of like, don't run from it. Like that's in you because I created you that way. And he also said this thing and it was really interesting. I didn't know what it really meant at the time, but I can see now, like he said, I have given you all the people that you need to know now go and do it. And I was like, okay, I'm like, okay, go do it. So basically it felt like permission to like continue doing theater, but do it for God's glory, do it for him and always remember who's, who's the creator and why, I had these gifts in the first place. Right. So that was a a big moment. And that was in 22 and still wasn't planning on doing my own theater, but that led me to doing this show where I started directing. Basically I started getting involved, was asked to direct with a few different Christian theater companies and stuff and groups or whatever. And um, when I was doing this, I realized there were so many people at the time in the show that I was working on that were like, I needed this. I needed this for my mental health. I needed this to get a creative outlet. And um, they said, thank you so much for directing this. Thank you so much for doing this because it just made me feel so alive again. And I, I see that happen. I, and I felt that for me too. When I started performing again, I just felt like me. I felt like I felt alive. I felt like this is, this is me. This is what I do. And um, so Fast forward to 23 last year, um, in the summer, I had multiple people tell me you should just start a theater. I like multiple people, like random, some, sometimes random people that had no idea what I was already going through and stuff. And it felt like a confirmation. And so I started pursuing it. I'm like, okay, I have no idea. I'll have to look into like what this looks like opening up a nonprofit. And I was told to um, meet with the executive director of Master Arts at the time, um, Tim. And so I did. I met with him and talked with him and then ended up talking to the board of Master Arts. And we talked about um, this vision I had for Lansing to like, and I and I had this feeling of like asking them. And I feel like it was from God because he was like, I was like, I was going to ask them for advice, basically, like advice for how to run a theater because they've been doing it for 40 years, about 40 years. And so I was like, they know what it's like to run a theater and, and, but keep God at the center and run it with God, godly morals and everything. So I wanted all that, all that experience and input from, from these leaders there. And, but then something told me about like, just like ask him to partner. Cause like they have the same type of core values that I already have. And so, um, I did. I was like, how would you think of like, kind of like partnering? Like we could just try it out, you know? And anyway, long story short, they went for it and they helped partner with a, with a live theater, which is the name of the theater here in Lansing to put on this first show. And so we're kind of now in the works of like, what will we do next? Will we partner, you know, all that. But um, the first show was launched with partnership with master arts. And it was awesome to see how that come together. And it was definitely a God thing. Uh, I feel like I'm obviously talking a lot, but that is um, kind of how it started. Um, but since since starting the theater, there's just been so many different people coming to me and confirming like the need that I had. I felt like there was such a need for a theater that was uplifting in the area that had um, that would show messages that were lessons to be learned and left the audience feeling like really thinking about this, you know, and, and not just like an empty performance or a show that had no meaning or 
indulged in whatever selflessness selfishness that we do as 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 people you know so i really wanted this theater to be different i wanted it to always do shows that first of all were god honoring that aren't going to be something that christians not going to want to be a part of um but also just for the community to have something that they know they can bring their kids to like if it's a family friendly show or like a powerful message like the first show first show we did they shine lives I wouldn't say it was a kid's show or anything. I was like, try to, it was a very powerful, true story that I felt like needed to be shared. And I'm sure so many places need more theaters like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we're kind of, we're here now. <laughs> a live theater is launched and it's been just really cool to see so many people come together and make it happen. I definitely can relate to you in a lot of the steps of your story because my ministry journey uh, is very similar. I mean, when I, when I was, you know, 12 or 13 years old, I first, um, got the call. I really feel like I got the call from God to preach and to share the word of God, but it took me several more years to refine that vision, to take myself out of the picture and to be in a humble place that would allow me to, uh, succeed in ministry. As I said, I struggled with my identity and then, you know, at 14 years old, made a rededication to the Lord. And then it wasn't until I was 30 that I finally launched my own ministry, speaking for him, which similar to you, it got launched because several people kept telling me that I had a message to share and that I should not be ashamed of sharing it. And so I've now been doing speaking for him for almost uh, 14 and a half years and done the podcast for over 11 years. So I got into podcasting pretty early. Um, I remember seeing a podcasting app on my BlackBerry phone back in the day and not even bothering with it because I thought you had to pay for it. So it took me a little while longer to figure out what a podcast was, but then I got an opportunity to to do morning devotionals at JQ in Zealand on the radio, and I really loved the studio, so I asked them for permission to do a podcast, and here we are today, 11 years later. But I, I know what you mean about having this vision and then being hesitant to go forward, but then God uh, being a confirming force in your life to make sure that you did it. What I always tell people is you can argue with God if you want, but it's better if you just save your breath because he already knows the answer to all your arguments before you open your mouth. Um, and I wish I knew that a long time before I did, but eventually I did learn that. So why did you decide on the name alive for your theater? Yeah. So Interesting enough, I never actually ever had another name in mind. This has been the only name. And I, before it was even coming together, I, um, I told, I think we're telling some friends, I think it was 22 when we started kind of doing things with this small group of uh, Christian performers that just really wanted to do something again, you know, and, and I was like, well, if I ever start my own theater, like didn't actually think it would happen, but I was like, if I ever start my own theater, I would call it Alive. And um, the reason is because there's a lot of different, I feel like there's a, lot, there's a few different meanings 
behind it for me personally. Um, one of those would be kind of what I was telling you in my experience is with working with some of these people when they, when they would say, thank you, like I needed this. It just made me feel so alive, you know, it made me feel alive again. And, the, and how that is so true for a lot of us performers, like that we can, we get to perform on stage. We get to do that thing. We love, there is something really magical and special about the the experience. And so I know for me, I've always said that too. Like it always makes me feel alive to perform. And I feel like myself and me and like, I'm fulfilled through doing now it makes sense doing what God's created me to do. Right. And um, so that's part of it. The other thing is just the symbolicness of like a live theater. Like this is like, we are created to be alive and to be whole in Christ and not to be dead in our sins and in a prison where we're, you know, you don't have that freedom. We, we, as Christians, we live um, for him. So it's, I don't know. I just, it just was the only name that just was like any, this is the name. Like, I don't know. It, it made sense to be, it's a live theater. That's, that's what it's going to be. <laughs> well, I was just on Facebook the other day and I saw that you had been tagged in a post in reference to Tim Tebow's night to shine. And as someone who is disabled and also happens to be a pretty huge fan of Tim Tebow, uh, and everything that he stands for. Um, I've always thought that that was a very interesting endeavor that is so important to him. And, and I think it's important anytime we can show the value of all human life. Um, I spent 10 years working in the pro-life movement for right to life of Michigan. So the sanctity of human life is something that comes up over and over again on my podcast. I'll be talking about it until the day I die. Um, but, um, can you tell me a little bit about how you got involved with night to shine and what that experience was like? Yes, I'd love to. Yeah. So night to shine is, it's a national event, actually, like you said, hosted by Tim Tebow's foundation and it provides, um, basically a prom night for people 14 and up, um, so 14 and older, um, with special needs. And the reason I got involved or what I was there in the, there was like a, um, a local news station had it. And I was technically, I was like in it, um, because I was actually character performing. So I'm part of a, um, couple princess companies where we will perform as different known princesses or characters. And, um, so, uh, Princesses by Bianca is the local one for Lansing that I'm in. I'm also in one with out in Grand Rapids uh, or Grand Haven area called Olivia Grayson Company. So those are the two I'm part of. But the one in Lansing was the one that was at the event where we had, oh, how many do we have? I think we had, I don't know, I'm going to throw out a number around seven, maybe princesses or so. Um, And I was playing Princess Anna. And so I was Princess Anna with, you know, Elsa and everything. And we were there and we just went and for two, like over two hours, we just danced and hung out with everybody and made it, you know, just try to bring a smile to people's faces. And, and it was so much fun. Probably one of the most fun events I've ever been to. Yeah, it definitely is like probably one of the most very fun events I've ever been to when it came to performing with um, these companies, because it was just so special. Like everyone was so nice and so fun. And we did like, uh, there was a photo booth. So we did lots of photo booths and they all wanted different like pictures and props to use with the princesses. And, and yeah, so that's how I got involved. 
So I literally just met you within the last several months. Um, we crossed paths at the Master Arts Banquet in October. And then we became friends on Facebook. So we haven't interacted a whole lot. But one thing that popped up in the last few days is that you announced um, that you are going to have your first baby. And you also mentioned that that was a bit of a journey for you that you've been praying about this for a few years. And you mentioned that you would be willing to share a little bit of that journey with us. So can you just walk me through as much of that as you want to, as far as how that journey has been? Um, because I definitely have seen it take its toll on some of my other friends. And it's just so sad to me, the juxtaposition of having a world where people want nothing more than to get rid of their children and they try to dehumanize them by calling them products of conception or whatever other generic term you want to put out there. And then there's people like you and so many of my other friends who would give anything to be holding a baby right now. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. Um, it's so true. What you said, it, it is one of those like heartbreaking realities that, there's people, you know, that get pregnant all the time that we might judge and say, oh, they shouldn't be having kids or they don't want their kids, you know. Um, and then there's so many people that are just ready and, you know, they're married and they have a house and they have, you know, finances, everything's set up, but they just can't get pregnant. And it's such a heartbreaking thing. So, yeah, my um, experience um so yes, I am currently pregnant. I am about 20 weeks, so about halfway through, which is really awesome and exciting. We actually, me and my husband just had our, our 20 week ultrasound. So we got to see the baby yesterday moving around and see the ears and the hands and fingers. It threw up a peace sign to us. <laughs> um, but my journey to this point has been about a five year journey of, um, struggling because we, I'm a big, I'm a big planner. I like to plan out my life and how I want to go and everything. And one thing that you learn in life is that you cannot control everything. <laughs> and there are so many things that happen. And I think, you know, God teaches, so teaches us a lot through these moments where we want to plan our life. And he's like, no, I have, a, I have a different plan. And, um, but yeah, we struggled with in, infertility for years. Um, I, you know, was optimistic first couple of years, really trying was like, Oh, you know, it just hasn't happened yet, you know, but, um, eventually it led me to last year deciding to get surgery, um, diagnostic surgery first to see what's going on. There wasn't enough signs, obviously for my doctor that I finally found a specialist who is also a believer. Um, the doctors that I was working with, they, you know, wanted to explore and, and found out I had um, a condition called endometriosis, which is a very inflammatory condition in the uterus. So um, that was why I wasn't getting pregnant is that can cause infertility. There's no way you can kind of grow a, um, you know, a baby when the environment's so inflammatory. So um, I found that out, got it. I had third surgery and then I had it removed a couple months after finding that out. Um, and then about three or four months after that, and so this last October, um, I got pregnant and so yeah, I found out like two days before, I think November 1st. 
And um, I was first really nervous because I had been pregnant before, but I would miscarry like pretty much as soon as I'd find out it'd be like within the same week or so. So I would never really make it past five weeks of pregnancy that, you know, they call it five weeks of pregnancy. It's really more like three weeks, but um, I never make it past that because I either was having implantation failure or something was going on. And now I know why, like it was the probably the endometriosis. Um, but even after having surgery, I was told I still had a lot of inflammation and I had this thing called chronic endometritis. And my doctor was like, you have to heal that before you can get pregnant. And it has to heal on its own because we've already tried antibiotics and that didn't work. So I really was trusting God to heal my body. I was like, okay, I did what I can. And now I'm just praying that like, okay, God. And I really just surrendered it and was like, I've, I don't know, like I've, I've done my surgery and I still have this issue that she's saying I can't get pregnant. And so I don't know. I kind of like, not that I gave up, but I just felt so just, okay, we'll deal with that later. Right now I'm launching a theater. Like I was just turned my attention to like this calling that I felt like God was like, you need to do this. And so I'm like, okay, we're going to launch this theater. And I wasn't even really thinking about or trying or doing all the things they're supposed to do and all the supplements you're supposed to take. I wasn't in that process of even really trying to conceive. Um, I was just focused on so many other things. And of course, then you get pregnant and um, it was such a miracle and so exciting um, how the baby, everything's been going great um, with this pregnancy and um, yeah, to see how, how God has get the timing that getting pregnant in the same month I launched, like I officially launched like October, I think that's the banquet was in October. So we officially launched Alive and announced the Alive Theater happening um, with Master Arts. So Master Arts launched it in October. So I had, and then two weeks later after that banquet that you were at, I think we saw each other, um, is when I found out I was pregnant. And it was just so crazy because I know that God's timing is best, but now looking back, it's like, I feel like this theater and like my calling and the whole, like the unifying process of like my identity with like my acting and my identity in Christ, like coming together, all of this, like I had to go through and I had to go through the infertility to bring me here. And I see that now because I was focused so much on just, I want to be a mom. I want to start a family. And that's my thing. That's going to be my, I'm just going to be a mom and have kids. And I was so focused on it, but now I see like, he's calling me to do big things with like something that's been inside me, which is like that performing artist in me. And um, the fact that I got pregnant the same month I launched the theater just shows you like he wanted this theater launched for whatever plans he has. He wanted it launched. And he knew that if I was pregnant before launching it, I'd probably been like, Nope, I'm just going to have a kid. I don't need, I don't need to be leading the theater, but here I am now doing both. And I'm excited to do both. Yes. It's going to be a lot, but like, I had just know that it's God making it happen, not me. And that's what I just go back to is like, whatever steps need to happen, like he's going to bring the right people. He's going to bring the right um, productions in place and everything for it to continue and to bless people and to bless the community. Um, because I also have to focus on being a mom now. <laughs> so it's all in his, in his strength, not mine. So kind of a crazy journey, but it comes with a lot of other things I could talk about, but that would be probably a longer podcast than you want. Um, but yeah, definitely I struggled. It was, I struggled with depression for a couple of years. I felt like I hit rock bottom with my depression where I just, you know, there was a lot of years of no answers and seeing so many of your friends 
get pregnant and have their kids and not understanding why you can't, I can't even explain. It's just such a hard thing to go through. And anyone that's, you know, listening, that's going through it, like my heart just goes out to you. It is so hard. And but just knowing that like God's working in your heart in a unique way and it can, I don't know, there's something about like us getting to a breaking point in our life and then God pulling us out of it. That is actually such a beautiful story. It's hard. It's hard to think that in the moment when you look back and you're like, oh yeah, I kind of needed to be broken for me to have a deeper understanding and love for God. The Bible is full of God doing things through people that seem utterly impossible. I once heard a preacher say that God will often give you a vision for what you are to do, and then he'll make it impossible for you to do it so that when he does it through you, he gets all the glory. And uh, so I really think there's truth to that. I mean, I'm a, I'm a stage or two behind you, but I still desire to have a family of my own one day. And it is a struggle to wait. It is a struggle to watch people around me have that. But like you said, whatever our struggle is, whether it's longing for marriage or whether it's longing for a baby or whether it's longing for that dream job, we need to be faithful in where God has us right now. And that was actually one of the things that pushed me into ministry was I always talk to people about, well, someday I'm going to have this ministry and I'm going to do such and such. And then certain people in my life were like, why does it have to be someday? Why can't it be now? And I was like, you know what? Actually, that's true. And when I was in high school, one of the things that I wanted to do going out of high school was to be a DJ on the radio. That hasn't happened, but God brought podcasting in. And so he's allowing me to use my gifts for broadcasting, even if they're not in the form that I would have expected. And I think that's another lesson to remember, too, is that sometimes the things that God plants in us will manifest in a different form than we expect them to. But that's how you know God's faithfulness. Um, (laughs) A lot of times we get frustrated with God because things don't come in the form that we want them to. When in reality, God is right there and he's ready to open doors if we're willing to keep our eye open for them. Yeah, definitely. So do you have a favorite Bible verse, maybe one for your life or maybe one that you've just been ruminating on lately? Um, you know, it's always hard for me to pick out favorites of pretty much anything. (laughs) Um, but I mean, there has been one lately, I would say, um, that just reminds me of the importance of how we treat each other in our community and our community of you know, believers, especially, um, but that's, uh, first John, uh, four, seven, really first John four, the whole chapter is amazing. Um, but specifically the, the seven where it talks about, you know, love let us love one another, you know, for love is from God and whoever love has been born of God and knows God. And just the importance of God, you know, God is love and, and loving people and what that looks like and how they will, they will know us by, they will know us by um, the love we have for each other. 
And I think that's so important. And I had this fire in me to have Christians working in unity together, which is why I'm so excited to be working with Master Arts and hopefully other, you know, like-minded people in the arts who are Christians, because it's just seeing us come together and work together as a body of Christ that we're meant to be, like that we're created to be, um, is a beautiful thing. So, um, yeah, like loving, loving each other, being there for each other in community is so, is so important. So, I mean, there's so many good verses. It's hard to figure out just one, but that, that is one that I've, I think I have it like posted right now on my Instagram. Cause I, I think that, you know, loving God and loving people is our, is really all of our callings, all of our thing that we can unite in that we have to do. So. Well, that is so true that it's hard to pick favorite Bible verses because there's so much richness in the Bible and the Bible is um, powerful and living. And so you'll never exhaust its riches. Um, it's been such a nice opportunity to have this conversation with you. So thank you so much for coming on and spending some time on the speaking for him podcast. Really appreciate it. Do you have any final thoughts um, for our listeners? Maybe some things that God has been teaching you as we are starting this fairly new year of 2024. I would say for anyone listening, um, really leaning in to the desires of your heart and lining those up with what you know about scripture and what you know about God. And don't be afraid to ask God, you know, what is it that you created me for? Like a lot of times, at least in my experience, sometimes those inner desires of the thing is part of what he created you for. And you're good at that. And I really believe that every person has their own skill sets and their own giftings that were given by God to be used for his glory and to further his kingdom. And so to really lean into that and to know that once you find what that is and God makes that clear to you, like you will feel so much more fulfilled and the joy of the Lord will be in you in a new way. And um, yeah, I would say that. And then what God's been teaching me in 2024, <laughs> what I know I'm going to be happy to, to do is to trust. Trust God is a very hard, it's easy to say it, but hard to live it out, to fully trust God with everything in your life going on. Um, even when it's so, so hard and you're going through maybe the worst of times to still just remember to trust God and to trust that he, he has you. Um, because yes, there was times even right now, um, we have our miracle baby on the way, but finances look scary and things have been falling through with the business. And, you know, you're just like, God, why God, why? But we have to trust him at the end of the day. So that's, that's what I would say. What a wonderful lesson for us all. You know, as I uh, do ministry from day to day and from week to week, that is something that I have to constantly be reminding myself of too, because you know, you get this idea sometimes that if you do what God wants you to do, that everything will just explode and you'll have this huge opportunity. But often mm -hmm. it's in the little opportunities and there's a reason Jesus 
shared with us in the Lord's prayer that it's give us this day, our daily bread, not this yeah. month or this quarter or this year, but this day. And yes. I think that was one thing that the COVID lockdowns really taught me because honestly, I don't know how you got through those if you weren't a believer in Jesus, because I had a hard enough time as a believer in Jesus waking up every day and wondering what it was that I was supposed to do when I was locked in my house. So um, that's just an example of how, uh, how God has been faithful. I know that during that time he brought the scripture to my mind repeatedly, be still and know that I am God. So I hope that that will be an encouragement to you as you're navigating these scary waters and to our listeners, because we're all going through stuff. Everyone is on a journey and everyone is seeking answers and God is ready to give them on his timetable. The problem is that we want them on our timetable, but if we were God, we would understand why we don't have the ones we think we want. So I, again, really appreciate you um, joining me, and I hope that this will be a blessing to all those who are out there listening. If you have any feedback for the podcast, please contact me with the contact information that will roll at the end of the show. And if you have any direct um, feedback for Christine, I will make sure to pass it on to her. That's about all the time we have for today's episode. But I would just encourage you to have a great week. And as always, keep serving the best of ministers. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at speakingforhim. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review.